0: This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation Before we get started, does anyone else hear, let's do an audio check, does anyone else hear that incessant and infernal banging that's going on? Or is that just in my own head because I have a team of roofers at Casa Calvisi all this week. So the non-stop banging and hammering and sawing and power drills and it's like, it's just embedded in in my head. So it, Consider yourself lucky over there, Darren Urban, that you can just ignore me as we speak here on Cardinals Underground. Danny Sarek, and just the you know the peaceful bliss that is your house and your existence. I'm you don't have that.
1: I'm Pound- thinking getting a new roof. That's expensive, there,
0: Paul. I'm putting the pounding in a pounding headache right now, and you're just over there without a care in the world.
2: At least he's not yawning.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hashtag it can always get worse, <laughs> and it did last week. So at least that didn't elicit a yawn out of Danny over there. So that's good. Good job. That's good. Not bad. It's not bad. I mean, I, you know, these things happen, guys. I mean, I was feeling pretty good about my off-season regimen and and fitness routine until I saw Nick Chubb in the squat rack, and he was he was six hundred seventy-five pounds. Who saw that? Did you
2: see, the bar was bending. <laughs> right.
0: Just Come on, man. He's just out there. And, 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 and he, there's like – like those spotters are going to do anything. If 675 pounds goes down – That's a fair point. Those guys on either side are useless.
2: Why are you even doing that? Why do you need to bench that much? Why do you need to see if you can bench that much? That makes no sense to me besides you want your 12 hours on Twitter.
1: You
0: know why I think he does that? This is just me. Because it provides a reminder to every 180, 190-pound DB – that thou shalt not meet me in the open field. That you should make a business decision. When I get to the second level, get out of my way because I squat 675 and I will truck you.
1: And, and I was going to say, 12 hours on – I mean – we're, we're an Arizona Cardinals okay, podcast, and we're sitting here talking about Nick Chubb, Always so we've got to go into works. the
2: details. I'm <laughs> Just sorry. Saying. No,
1: I mean, it's either
0: that or Tom Brady's broadcast contract. I don't know where else you want to go here before well, we get Well, we've got
2: into... 10 more years before he retires and gets to the broadcast <laughs> booth, so. That's
0: right. Well, he's coming to town. There's my segue into the schedule. How about that? He, he's there coming. Darren, is this going to be the first time Tom Brady has played the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona?
1: No, but it will be the first time he's played in this stadium. At, he there played was at one, Sun Devil Stadium in 2004. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I, 23 I wanted to, to 12 that. the Patriots won that game. It, Why I know that number, I don't know. But. Was
0: that <laughs> – am I confusing that with the Packers game? What was the game – where
1: there was early September. Sellout and Dexter Jackson had an interception in the end zone to wrap up the win.
0: Okay, but I was more going to go with the oh, fan the base out, that came to Arizona, and it was about 105 yeah. that day, and it was about 135 on those metal bleachers. Yep. And about every single visiting fan that came, it was either Green Bay or New England, was sunstroke. Now,
1: if I recall the New England game, for whatever reason, I feel like it was somewhat overcast, even though it was early in the season. I mean, it's I'm not saying Packer it wasn't fans. warm, but – Gotcha. the okay. the the sellout, the 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 Packer game was hotter than heck.
0: That's the I one that remember I'm remembering. That. Yeah, that's the. Uh, okay, that's as our Jim Omohundro uh, notes, it was the the Tom Brady game was the same game where they retired number 40 oh, yeah. in honor of Pat Tillman. Yeah. So that was the uh, that was what was notable and remarkable about that game. So the schedule is coming. The full 2022 NFL regular season schedule going to be unveiled. It'll be 5 o'clock Arizona time on Thursday. NFL Network, NFL.com, azcardinals.com, all the other platforms. And uh, do you see where Drew's standing on the Red Sea Report, guys? He was asked by Craig Gurielu, all right, so what do you look for as a player? He said, the first thing I look for, this is Drew now is whether there are any cold games on the schedule, any potential bad weather games. So at least I have one thing in common, a sideline, Pencilneck sideline reporter with an NFL player. He said, then he looks at where's the bye, where are the division games, what games are in primetime, do you have any primetime games on the road, like in Sunday night or Monday night, you're going to get back in the middle of the night. Uh, so those are some of What do you guys look at when the schedule comes out?
2: Bye week? And that's probably that goes first and divisional games, mostly at the end of the season, when it's going to be crunch time for most likely winning the division, making the playoffs. That's what I want to see, right? Like, are we playing the Rams, the 49ers, the last two of the last three weeks of the season? That's what I'm looking for when those matchups are. And when's the bye week of when the players are going to get the rest, kind of evaluate that part of the season. Um and of course, we have the Mexico game. So, what's surrounding that in November?
1: I, I'll be honest. I'm purely selfish, Paul, and so I care only about. And it's funny that Drew mentioned this as well the, about the primetime games and and how it screws up your schedule. I, I don't. I, I know fans are desperate for primetime games because they feel like it has some kind of. A residual effect on respect or whatever people think about getting primetime games but i hate primetime games i don't want i'd rather i'd rather have a day game i'd rather get home at a decent time i'd rather uh whether it's home or road and i'd rather have a, a a week that plays out normally and that's again that's kind of what drew was saying is how primetime games whether it's home or away can tend to screw up your your week, especially if they're away.
0: So you don't want to be like the Chiefs or the Cowboys last year who had six primetime games apiece, tying the all-time record.
1: I mean, I get it. Uh, I think it's safe to say that this team is not going to get six primetime games. Um, And, in fact, they've got one because we already know about the Mexico City game. That's a Monday night game. Um, That'll
0: be the Monday of Thanksgiving week.
1: Yeah, going into Thanksgiving uh, down in Mexico. Um, they're gonna have a Thursday game and my guess would be the Thursday game would probably be a road game because I feel like they played at home on Thursday the last couple of years, so they' will probably do a road Thursday game. I don't see them necessarily getting a Sunday night game. I could be wrong. Um, maybe another Monday night game, but we'll, you don't think we'll see. even
2: as the away team Sunday night game, some of their matchups?
1: I, I will say that the schedule does does lend itself. But see the issue you have with the, the 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 opponents that they have is that I mean for like the chief first of all the chiefs playing anybody is is almost a given like they're going that's going to be interesting and now that the raiders are better and the chargers are better and the broncos are better I mean
2: I think it, chargers I think quarterback Duel. That, that's where my mind was going. Even
1: Chargers-Chiefs on Sunday Night No, football? no,
2: Chargers and Cardinals. Oh,
1: Chargers and Cardinals. I mean, that's what I meant to say. Uh, maybe, but but I I don't know if, I, I don't know. I mean, I, well, I guess we'll see. I just, I've been, I've been around this a long time. I've been around the Cardinals for a long time, even when they're good. They don't tend to get a whole lot of primetime nods. They just don't. I mean, even in 2015 when they ended up playing a bunch of primetime games, I think they were flexed into two of them. I think the last time they played on Sunday Night Football, they were flexed into it uh, because of COVID. So, I mean, usually when the schedule comes out, this is not a team, you know, that people look at, you know, like the Cowboys or somebody like that.
0: Well, (laughs) even the Cowboys game last year. Was uh well, it was the afternoon slot. It was the national game, yeah. of the Fox afternoon slot. Yeah, but... which
1: which fans aren't. Yeah. I mean that that's a. I think that gives you a lot of eyeballs, but fans don't aren't going to look at a national afternoon game against whomever as as cool as a Sunday night game or a Monday night game. They see it differently. Here's the thing with the Cardinals' schedule this year:
0: good news, bad news, based on how you look at it. They have the second toughest strength of schedule as of right here, right now. Usually that metric doesn't hold much water because from year to year things change enough and there's always enough new playoff teams from year to year. But as of right now, and then you look in addition to the strength of schedule, just the marquee opponents and the quarterbacks are going against, whether it's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, whether it's Justin Herbert and the Chargers, obviously Tom Brady and the Buccaneers coming to town. Even uh, Mac Jones and the Patriots with Belichick. I mean, there are some marquee opponents. Baker
1: Mayfield and the Seahawks. (laughs)
0: Sure. (laughs) Exactly. That's, you know, the Raiders and and, and the playoff Raiders made the playoffs for the second time in 19 years. So, you know, Russell Wilson and the Broncos are on the schedule. So uh, there's a lot here that I could see that would have the Cardinals in prime time. I hate to say it, Darren. Not just necessarily because of the Cardinals, no. but because of who
1: they're playing. Well, that's what Danny was saying, and I don't disagree with that possibility. But again, because Tom Brady is Tom Brady, I mean, you can put—I I don't know what the rest of the Bucks' opponents look like, but I mean, it, the Bucks—you—you you can only get a team on prime time so many times. And if—if if the choices are the Bucks, Cardinals, or the Bucks Rams, which we know they play the Rams. Uh, You know, that's those those are the things is, yeah, they've got all these marquee teams on their schedule. But because those teams are marquee teams in the first place of who they are, um, there's other places to go. I could I could be totally wrong.
2: On top of the... so so
1: wait wait but I don't mean to cut you off but like so what do you guys what are you guys predicting then for prime time we we know they're going to get a Thursday night game home or away it doesn't matter so we know they got a Monday night game and a Thursday night game are they getting how many more prime two more games I, in I, game? I
2: would say I I think two I think especially with the opponents I bet four they total have, I bet they have uh, two Sunday night games I would imagine no way at least one
1: I could see another Monday night game I don't see I could see maybe a maybe Sunday another one mo- because are,
2: or or Maybe two third – I don't know. Maybe not two Sundays, but I think for sure one and the right, second Flash prime me time.
1: something, Holmes. How many you think we're going to have besides the two that we already know about? He thinks one.
2: I say two.
0: I mean, what are they going to do with Tom Brady? What are they going to do with Patrick Mahomes going against Cliff Kingsbury? You don't think that has you know, potential right there? I just – of course,
1: you, of course, according to nflscheduleleaks.com or whatever that Twitter feed is, is they've got the Chiefs Cardinals playing a regular afternoon game the week before the Mexico game. Now, I'm not basing that on anything. I don't know if that's true or not. I just again, I could see one other primetime game. Maybe it's Sunday. I just I just I think I think the league finds it very easy to forget this team when it comes to primetime. Well, I shouldn't say the league, the networks because let's face it it's the networks that are have a big say in this it's
2: fair something just to piggyback off paul talking about the strength of schedules this uh came out last week too is how much each team is traveling the cardinals are traveling the 11th most miles at 19,616. looks like they'll be changing time zones 20 times Compared to the last team on this list, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are changing time zones zero times yeah, that was pretty interesting. during the season.
0: You know what? I'm looking at that right here. So the Steelers are going to travel almost 6,500 miles. Think about that. Just 6,500 miles. The Cardinals, 19,000 and change, whatever it is. The Seahawks are going to travel nearly 30,000 miles and change time zones 34 times.
2: Well, remember, the, Seattle does have a pretty far international game. Are they? Yeah, London? they're going
1: to G- Germany. Germany, they put the Bucs in Germany. <laughs> but
2: here's still, a, but a, still. I, I, but but I,
1: the Steelers won't even leave the Eastern Time right. Zone. No, that's right. pretty amazing. Which is, you know, they don't have a quarterback, so I guess there's that. And, and yeah, it's going global. Here's a question: We're talking about the schedule, and it just popped into my head. Um, after the draft, they had who who gets more Sunday night games: the Cardinals or the Jets? See, that's a, oh, see you guys. You guys talk about that stuff, but again, a New York market with these these marquee draft picks, I could see the network saying, "I'd rather have the Jets than the Cardinals."
2: But but wouldn't that, to my mind, that would have to be in the first two, maybe to four weeks, because they're rookies. What what do you really expect? I I don't know that that would necessarily make them. Make their decision maybe. on who's getting primetime, especially because it's been the Jets. It's not like they I've have just a been history of being over the
1: head so many times with schedule release, and everybody, everybody always like, oh, we're gonna, we're, the Cardinals are gonna have
2: five, six primetime no, games.
1: No. no, they don't.
0: By the way, who was the guy about six weeks ago when they put out the over unders from Vegas on win totals for 2022? Who cited the Jets at only five wins, and if I could bet, I would bet the Jets at over, and then they had that draft. So, I don't know where their win total is now. I don't know if Vegas has adjusted accordingly. I mean, it still goes throwing back to quarterback.
1: Out I'm not sure Zach Wilson is all that great, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah,
0: we'll see. We'll see. Best game on the Cardinals schedule. Which game are you looking forward to the most of any game, any opponent on this schedule? Forget this time slot or would, when or how. I mean, yeah. to me, how can you not look at where we started with Tom Brady? And just the Bucs and Todd Bowles coming back. Now, if B.A. was still the head coach, that would be even further verification. But with B.A. probably on the road trip and Jason Light and all their connections to the Cardinals and half that coaching staff seemingly coach for the Cardinals, I would say that. Or the Patrick Mahomes factor.
1: See, to me, the Chiefs game is the one that really stands out to me because of the Mahomes-Kingsbury thing. I don't I – don't. I don't disagree. I, it's funny that we talk about those two games. I mean, they're both home games. The home schedule this year is tough, tough, but it's it's very attractive. And once again,
0: is, the Bucks, the Saints, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Eagles, and the Patriots, in addition to the to the division games, those are the home games. And of well, course, of course, the Niners are in Mexico City. Yeah, I was
1: going to say, yeah. I mean, I I think you know after all the struggles that the Cardinals had at home last year, that's it's going to be tough to really ramp up the wins. Um, but in the, at the same time, maybe it's good that you're getting some of these teams at home, but like, it'll be very interesting to see how they handle Patrick Mahomes. It's, I'm going to be interested to see how they handle Tom Brady and um, and those, those types of things. I mean, to, obviously the teams are drastically different over the years that they've seen Tom Brady, but I mean, the couple times they've played Tom Brady, he hasn't been great. In 2004 they were okay. Now that was before Tom Brady became Tom Brady. That was more of like game manager Tom Brady. But in 2012 I'm going to say Cardinals messed them up up in there in New England. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> of course Chiefs and Bucks, but I think I'm excited for Chargers. I think I think that team is exciting That's to watch. One. I think that team is exciting to watch and I think that will be a really tough matchup as well not only you know justin herbert and his arm but what they've done on defense too and how they've kind of molded their team around a, a quarterback on a, a rookie contract and you know maneuvering all that with while they can with the money so i'm, I'm going to say chargers
0: best road trip best road venue i'll give you a power ranking right now based on the stadiums the road stadiums yeah. my my, my poly Let power me know, ranking here this
2: gonna my be my guess first
1: is going to be last
2: this is my la- first time traveling so Get me up to speed, Paul.
0: Why would it be last? I would say, you know, Mexico City as a road venue. Just, I mean, just, uh, just the history of that stadium and 100,000 plus, why would that be last? Oh, I last? forgot.
1: That's right. You get to go stand on the field. I have to sit in, in the stands because they don't really have a press box there. <laughs> uh,
0: so, I, actually, in my power rankings, I would put Estadio Azteca number one. Honestly, just the road trip. In all the years I've been doing this, I would say that Mexico City 2005 trip was top five, maybe top three. I mean, just, I just thought it, it is, was a really cool it trip. It is a
1: cool trip, and I am looking forward to it. I would, I would probably – I probably have a tie right now because I am – it's funny, I'm actually going to Vegas with my wife for a couple of days in the summer. I'm not a huge Vegas person, so going to Vegas isn't about the place, but I am very intrigued to see that stadium. And that game is very interesting to me because – one Chandler Jones is there, and two, I feel like, I feel like the Raiders and the Cardinals are in a very similar spot in terms of like how they're kind of viewed, uh, in terms of where they are as teams. And I think that's going to be a very interesting. I mean, if we're talking, to, if we're just talking about road trips, like interesting places to go, like I, I love going to Seattle. I mean, that's just a great city. Um, I actually love going to Charlotte. Uh, assuming we get to stay downtown near the stadium. that I, I like that city, too. Um, but but there's actually some decent places to go. The Denver game is going to be really interesting, too, because the Broncos always have a good crowd, and now they actually might have a team that's worth cheering for for a little bit.
0: Last time we were in Denver, it was the Peyton Manning game, correct? Correct. Regular <laughs> season. And, and I've never heard an NFL crowd become so silent because Peyton Manning would break the huddle and literally start yep. – with the hand motions, everyone shut it. I'm about to tee off here. It's like a PGA event, other than the Phoenix Open and hole number 16, and that's the stadium would just become silent like a golf venue. Yeah. And then he would get into the Omaha, Omaha, and snap the ball and do all the, uh, all the audibles Cletus and everything. Campbell should
1: have scored. <laughs> that's right. what, so of those, of those, what are you looking forward to for as somebody who doesn't travel?
2: In terms of the city or yes, stadium?
1: Both. Both.
2: Well, I've been to the Rams Stadium in LA. Yeah. Uh, I actually have been to the Raiders Stadium when I went to the Pro Bowl. Okay. And that was pretty cool. Okay. Um, I think just and you did
1: other things in Vegas, I'm sure. No. Uh huh. No. Go ahead and I proceed.
2: I am excited. I think for the city to go to Seattle, yeah. And I think to watch like the game and be in the atmosphere probably Denver.
1: The atmosphere in Seattle is pretty amazing, too, although it's going to be very interesting to see what that um, what that crowd is going to be like. I mean, I don't know. Not having I don't know what, what their team is going to look like. But if it's Drew Locke quarterbacking, that's a different that's a definitely a different vibe. What are you talking about?
2: What who Was it Pete Carroll who just said that Drew Locke would probably be the first quarterback taken if he were drafted this year?
1: Yeah, that's that just <laughs> talks about this the quarterbacks that were available this year. I don't the, know. The uh, Mexico trip look, is going to be interesting, especially I. I would assume we would leave on a Saturday, because they're going to want to do stuff. Oh, it is. Uh, Omo is saying it is going to be a Sunday, leaving Sunday for Monday.
0: That is, which the is word. different than last time. We'll see. You know, the underrated venue on this whole list on this schedule is the Viking Stadium. The Viking Stadium is really cool. No, a Viking really, Stadium really is really well cool. done. I agree with that. I don't
2: necessarily selfishly, enjoy though, Minneapolis. I was going to say selfishly, uh, can that game be early on?
1: Well, you're indoors, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, it
2: is? Oh, okay. Then I don't care.
0: I Come thought you were talking about like, walking, walking the city. Is yeah, that you know? You can still walk yeah. the city, and it's like the uh, it's like the hamster trail. They have all those tubes you walk around in. When it's twenty below, you don't actually have to go outside. That's the great 20 way below, Minneapolis that is
2: miserable. Well,
0: that was the nineteen ninety nine playoff game, ninety eight season. The second yep. uh, it was legitimately twenty below, and I'll never forget the plane landing and looking outside, and the guys are uh, unloading all the Cardinals gear and everything, and there was a dude wearing shorts, <laughs> and the windchill was twenty below. I go. That is a Minneapolis native. <laughs> were,
1: you work, were you doing something? Uh, I was on uh,
0: Channel 5. I was with Channel tra- 5. We were on the back, we the the back okay. of the uh, team playing on that one. I go, hey, dude. Literally on game day, the news desk told us, can you go get some flavor, what they call flavor, go get some atmosphere shots of the Vikings fans tailgating. And Ricky Bogran, Ricky B, I love Ricky, longtime photographer over at Channel 5, Channel 3, and we got about across the street from the Metrodome, and he started shaking as an Arizona native, I, I can't make it. I can't make it. And he turned around. and We went back in the dome because it was twenty below. It was insanely cold, and there were people out there just tailgating the the locals.
1: Uh, much respect for those folks uh, but yeah, dealing Vikings, with that. The stadium's indoors, so you're not going to have to worry about
2: <laughs> great.
0: That. Yeah, so th- that's all good uh, on that front. And by the way, you will enjoy Seattle. Although I will say. The last place Seahawks got booed by the 12s last year when the Cardinals and Colt McCoy went up there. That's true. And that was one of the big takeaways from last season. They've was been with,
1: booed a few times when the I Cardinals mean, are up there. I mean,
0: the the locals, the 12s, turned on the home team, and uh, Coach Double Rainbow he was a little shaken. That was the press conference afterwards where he looked really shaken. They just lost to Colt McCoy, so uh, so look, I mean, Cardinals schedule comes out, and then we'll go from there. And um, you know, the the Raider Stadium. Uh, definitely looking forward to that, and uh, and we'll see. And then of course the preseason, right? There's gonna now three preseason games, right? Just as a reminder, a refresher uh, well, for everyone. You know, again, That's assuming what No hurricanes. <laughs> That's
1: right.
0: That's right. The best part about uh, not going to New Orleans last year was somebody shouted out as the plane was making a U-turn somewhere outside Amarillo or wherever it was that uh, oh you don't have to pay Louisiana State taxes because yep. there's no preseason games. So well, there was. It a-
1: wasn't just that you don't have to pay it. They'll they'll come after you. Yes. They're one of those states that will absolutely come after you.
0: By the way, speaking of states and and the whole Dallas thing, uh, Danny, can I get a comment on the mayor of Dallas saying that if there is an expansion in the NFL in the near future, Dallas is deserving of a second NFL team.
2: That is so silly to me. Why? Because no team will compete with the Cowboys there. Probably true. I don't understand. Um, well, the, I'm Chargers, obviously, I'm obviously, the Chargers exist
0: in L.A. with not much of a fan base.
2: Look, I'm, I'm obviously not invited to the owners' meetings, but I would imagine that Jerry Jones has some power and would probably not – that vote would not get approved to have another team in I, Dallas. I'm, I'm
1: just going to state for the record, I think this is my personal opinion, and nobody's inviting me to owners' meetings either. I think expansion of the NFL would be dumb. I mean, this team, this league is having a hard enough time finding enough quarterbacks for the teams that it has. If you grow it by more, I, I don't, I don't get it. I, I understand it's money related, um, but I, I do not like the idea of expansion. But that's just me.
0: Well, until they float out there a five billion dollar expansion fee, maybe, which is split between the 32 other owners, and that could be enticing. We'll see. We'll see. They look, the game's going global. What does that mean? How does that figure into expansion? Most seem to think these days you're not going to have a team in London or anywhere else, but you will have a series of games in these international locations, and then they'll be able to sell a package of tickets to the locals. For example, what is now three or four games in London might become a full-blown eight games in London, and then the locals can buy a season ticket package.
1: I do think eventually the 17th game, and I – think we're trending towards 18 at some point but I do think eventually the 17th game becomes a neutral site game for every team in the league every year that's
2: what I think is going to happen off the top of my head I mean what what major cities in the states would need an expansion team who's kind of missing one
1: well again I don't know if you can even go there Jacksonville never struck me as a place that needed an NFL team but here we are (laughs) So I
0: I'd mean, agree with that. I'd rather move Jacksonville and relocate Jacksonville to a deserving, worthy, legitimate NFL market than expand the NFL. I mean, right,
2: but, but, I, where's, but the, I, I where's the NFL market? But where, where's the hole
0: go well, back to St.
1: Louis. I mean, yeah, you, you've got St. Louis um, uh, beyond that. I, I don't know if there's many other places, but you just never know with with the NFL. I mean, and, and, there's been times when they've had only one extra team. Was it Houston that came in by itself? I honestly don't remember. There was, there was a, there was a time when the, the NFL actually had an odd number of teams because that is why the Cardinals had the dreaded week one bye in 2001 uh, and didn't play the weekend before nine 11 was because the Cardinals actually were off that weekend uh, because there was an odd number of teams. So, I mean, it's, it's it's not unheard of to add one team either but i you know i I don't know if st louis is getting a team anytime soon now that they've been suing the nfl and all that stuff so my
2: friends uh from college who live in st louis would sure love a team because not a single one of them stayed a rams fan and not a single one of them moved over to the chiefs
1: it always cracks me up and i i know i'm getting far off topic but it's a podcast that's what we do um it always cracks me up that St. Louis gets so angry about the Rams getting stolen from them when the Rams came from L.A. So, like, didn't they steal the Rams in the first place?
0: Yes. And and, and you can make <laughs> yeah. the
1: argument, okay, The Arizona stole the Cardinals, except the Cardinals came from Chicago. You didn't have them. You took them from Chicago. And you didn't take them. I mean, obviously, these owners want to move, but I don't know. Food for thought. Yeah.
0: Well, look, the game is, is definitely going global. You see, the NBA is going to play a preseason game in Abu Dhabi. I mean, it, okay. And then, do you see this one? I, I marked this one down. Uh, according to Front Office Sports, Chris Paul, Larry Fitzgerald, and Kelvin Beecham are all investing in the world's most popular cricket league. They're now minority owners. Is that Chris Paul, the commander's of, <laughs> of a of a team?
2: That is important to note.
0: Of a team in India. That is a cricket franchise in India that's worth over a billion dollars. That's how big cricket is in parts of the world. And Larry Fitzgerald and Kelvin Beecham are among the minority owners. Well, as
1: long as you brought it up, Paul, our uh, our crew that just went down to Mexico for the draft ate crickets while they were down there. So that may be something we partake in. Chocolate covered? Uh, no, they were, I think they were deep fried. <laughs> deep
2: fried. I would try that.
1: Once. I'd try that once. How about the cow's tongue? <laughs> But you know what? Actually, I actually take that back. I don't know
2: about cow's tongue. I feel like I would almost try anything once just to try it, but I don't know about cow's tongue. It why was would described
1: I... to me as looking exactly like a cow's tongue would, and there's just no way I'm trying that.
2: Yeah, I, the texture, I don't think I could get behind. I, I don't
1: think I'm doing crickets either. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I could do a cricket. I, why am I why? eating something the, that I'm chasing out of the, the backyard?
2: Side? What's the upside? What's the upside? It side? would be good just to see what it tastes like.
1: I don't know your eating habits, Danny, (laughs) but my guess is you have found many, many, many things in your life that already taste good. Why do you need something else, like a bug?
2: (laughs) You don't have, like, you just don't want to try it just to try it? No, Just to say you've tried a cricket?
1: I mean, if somebody wants to pay me, maybe.
2: I'll pay you.
0: (laughs) This seems like a good time to interject with the NFL.com article that's out, and here's the headline. The way-too-early win total projections for every team. By Ew. analytics expert Cynthia Freeland, hashtag game theory is what they threw up there. The way-too-early win total projections for every team. The Rams, as we look at the NFC West, are Let projected guess, 14. to win 11.5, no, 11.5. Usually 5. the win
1: total things are a lot lower than you'd think, and they're a lot they're closer than you'd think.
0: Cardinals are actually projected to finish third in the division. The Niners uh, have 9.6 wins. The Cardinals, 9.1 wins, and then the last place Seahawks, 5.6 wins. Usually, that's the projection. Usually
1: with projected win totals, I'd be – do you have the whole league there? I do not. I, I Usually with those, like – because you're, you're always going to have a team that usually does really well, but the projected win totals never – they they never it's, – it's always a lot more clumpier. Like, I bet you there's probably nobody in the league that they project to have more than 13 wins. And there's always a chance that that's going to happen, but – it, it, it always is always a little bit lower than that. But it'll, it'll be interesting. The,
0: I did look up the Vegas over-under. The most popular for the Cardinals is 9.5. And, and according to this game theory analytics, the Cardinals are projected to have 9.1 wins. So that's your neighborhood right now, right around nine wins for the Cardinals next season. And when you look at the strength of schedule once again, and you see they're playing the AFC West, and then teams like the Patriots and the Eagles playoff teams, then you realize, okay. you don't okay, have
1: DeAndre Hopkins the first six games. The first
0: six games. And we didn't even mention that. You know, the first thing in addition to whether you have a cold weather game and where's the bye and how many primetime games, who are the first six opponents? That's probably the first thing we should all look at Thursday at 5 o'clock is how do the Cardinals stack up against the first six teams and who exactly are they playing minus D-Hop, right? A lot of scary
2: fair. defenses in the AFC West too.
1: Yeah, that's true. But, but again – that's that's the league, and, and I, I think the way this team is now set up with what we saw in terms of what they decided to do in free agency and the draft and, and those sorts of things, I mean, this team is going to have to score to win, but that's every team. You know, somebody, I saw something the other day which I completely agree with, and I think I brought it up before. Like, we can talk about building these great defenses and everything, but, like, if if you're playing the Chiefs or you're playing the Bucks when they're rolling, or you're playing, they don't play them, but if you're playing the Bills, I don't care how good your defense is. If, you're, if your offense isn't capable of scoring 30 points, you're probably going to lose. That's my feeling on
0: and it. And if your defense doesn't believe in your offense, yeah. then look out. I know we've talked about that. We've far talked far. about this, and I think it happened in the playoff game. As soon as the Cardinals got down 10 points, 14 points, it was over. Because I'm not sure the defense believed that the offense could get it in gear at that point because the offense looks so dysfunctional and was so inept against the Rams, and Aaron Donald was running rush shot. And so it just we've seen it before. If you don't have a quarterback, the defense doesn't believe. And if your offense isn't firing, the defense doesn't believe. And didn't have
2: time to rest. Offense was on and off the field pretty quickly.
0: In fact, last Friday, there was a segment on Good Morning Football. Did you guys see this? And here was the question, and I quote, How concerned are you for the Cardinals? This is in the aftermath of the D. hop suspension. And they're trying to calculate, all right, what is the impact going to be on the Cardinals? And, you know, to what degree should the boxers be bunging right now if you're in that Cardinals locker room? And here's a few of the answers because I, I rewound it and I just, uh, I, I just jotted down a few of the quotes. Tory Smith was the player guest, two-time Super Bowl champion receiver Tory Smith. Quote, I'm not concerned at all. This team has been on a tear at the beginning of seasons. Okay, there's an interesting theory. The Cardinals have been nails to start seasons, especially last year. Although you can argue they got lucky in the Minnesota win in week two and maybe even Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence throwing them. It's just a tailor-made yeah. pick
1: six, perhaps. But again, if we start talking about luck, then I would also say luck worked, worked against them in the Packers game that they lost. Okay. That stuff evens yeah. out.
0: I, and I truly and in that. the Jacksonville game, there was the kick six at the end of the first half. So, okay, all right. Peter Schrager. I'm really concerned. I think it's a huge deal. D-hop is amazing, and it's more than a quarter of the season. And then Tom Palacero weighed in and said, what happened to Kyler's productivity without D-hop? And it was sort of a rhetorical question. They threw up a graphic, the before and the after, and Kyler's numbers and his productivity and the touchdown-to-interception ratio and everything else and his passer rating, which obviously nosedived without D-hop. So I thought that was an interesting question. How concerned are you for the Cardinals in the wake of the six-game suspension?
2: I'm not going to say I'm not concerned because we all know how much DeHop means to this team and makes this team better just being on the field. And I've said this before, I have a different expectation and a different standard for how this offense is going to work because they now have a heads-up that they are going to be without DeHop for the first six weeks, as opposed to last season when it happened middle of the season, he kind of came back, then got hurt again, and it was just kind of figuring it out, which during the week is already so crammed with how much time you have to install things and you know, really up the chemistry with all these players. So now that they know what is coming and they have time to work around that and build chemistry and the Cardinals brought in a player who already has chemistry, not just from the past with Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown, somebody who was training with Kyler in Dallas this offseason. I have different expectations and different standards for how this offense will operate without DeAndre Hopkins on the field.
0: I would agree that you have to have a different offense. If you're going to come out and try and run the same offense that you would with Hop, then it's not going to work. That was proven out over the last six weeks of last season. You need a different offensive identity without DeAndre Hopkins. And I think we've seen some of that with the the re-signing of James Conner, And with the tight ends, I think the Cardinals realize, yeah, they better evolve. I bring this up, and I think it's apt. Sean McVay, without Robert Woods, tried to run that same 10 personnel offense where they led the league in 10 personnel, four wide receivers. And they lost three in a row, including the Cardinals beat down of them in week four. And McVay said, you know what? This isn't going to work. We don't have the same type of talent in the receiver room, minus, and this is before OBJ was up and running and, and really up to speed. And so he said, you know what? We're going back to the Todd Gurley offense. We're going to be much more balanced. We're going to use our running backs a lot more. We're going to go between the tackles. And look at what happened to the Rams. They took off. And so I think there's something to be learned there for the Cardinals. If it's a copycat league, you need to look at the Rams last year and how they evolved things. Now, is it going to be the exact same offense with was running? No. But I do believe that you will see a lot more 12 personnel. Dare I say 13 personnel of Max Williams is available the first six games of the season. No way. You could. Absolutely.
1: Cliff King. So Perry. you didn't believe in him no, when he said he doesn't want not. to do it?
0: Okay. Totally sandbagging. It's like Larry on the golf course. Completely sandbagging when he said that. If those three tight ends are available, there will be packages. There will be blood with those three tight ends. I, I, I honestly I'm take believe that. Absolutely, we'll see.
1: I'll take that bet.
0: And what's interesting is, Drew Stanton on the Red Sea Report this week, I caught a little bit of it. And here is his quote. When the Arizona offense bogged down last season, it's when the Cardinals couldn't run the ball. That was according to Drew, when they were no longer a balanced offense. Now, was that because of the fact that Hop wasn't commanding as much attention and defenses were able to put another player in the box? I'm not sure. We didn't get into the X's and O's of it. But Drew did go on to say that the tight ends, I'm quoting loosely now, the tight ends allow the Cardinals that much more versatility in the play calling and much more versatility than when you have four receivers on the field because with the tight ends on the field, you're not showing your hand as much. And, and Wolf has made this point, and I do agree with him as much as we bicker and we go back and forth, is that when Max Williams was healthy, it was a different Cardinals offense because it wasn't as much of a tell. Wait a minute, Max Williams is in the huddle. Max Williams at the line of scrimmage. Are they running it or throwing it? As opposed to when a Zach Ertz is in the game and his packages are run, especially when he's flexed out. Yes, I think the percentages would say you're going to throw it in that situation. And be, did the Cardinals' offense become a little too predictable last year? In addition to the personnel
1: losses. I, I think that's I think that's a fair analysis, and and I guess we would see it. I mean, I, again, I don't. This team isn't all of a sudden going to use 13 personnel. If, if Max Williams is healthy enough, I think I think that's going to mean Trey McBride probably isn't going to play a lot on offense, and and they'll use those those two other tight ends. But Zach Ertz is, you know, he does better as a receiver. Uh, you know, I, I do think that, you know, having Brown with a better Rondell Moore and being able to like work Zach Ertz in over the off season, exactly what you want to do with them. I do think that helps. I agree though, that they need to run the ball. I mean, I, I think they got hurt last year. Um, I I like James Connors, your number one guy, but I, I think they need that element that Chase Edmonds brought to them. And I think they were missing that when he got hurt. And I think if you look at when they really started struggling offensively, it's when Chase Edmonds wasn't out there. It wasn't, I mean, they had James Conner, and he was doing well, but you, I think you need that Chase Edmonds element. Now, whether that's Eno gives you that or whatever, I don't know. But
0: How would you define that, the Chase? For somebody who didn't see a single Cardinals game last year, what was the Chase Edmonds element?
1: I feel like as good as James Conner can be, I feel like Chase Edmonds gives you a a little bit more of an electric feel out of the backfield that could break some yards. I mean, he wasn't a between-the-tackles guy, but the dude averaged five yards a carry. And that's not what James Conner was giving you. And some of that was because James Conner plays short yardage, but that's just not James Conner's game most of the time. And I feel like sometimes they needed a little bit of that spark.
0: Because Chase Edmonds isn't a burner, but most of the time he'd make the first guy miss. Yes.
1: Shifty. that's 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 a good that's a good way to say it. That's
0: the way I think of it.
1: I, I think that's a good way to say it. Who is that guy besides Rondale Moore? I don't know if they have a lot of guys like that besides Rondale Moore. I haven't seen Hollywood Brown enough to know if he can be that guy, but Rondale Moore can do that in space. But but who else are we talking about? It's not uh, D Hop can I I shouldn't say that D Hop can do that. I mean we've seen him make guys miss. With, but the problem with D-Hop is he'd make a guy miss and he'll get another five yards out of it. It's usually not another 20 per se. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, sometimes I think that's, to me, that's part of it.
0: You know, the other thing I think of, too, and, and this, like, if you're going to say, okay, uh, how concerned are you for the Cardinals this coming year? I would say one, if one, if one is D-Hop, one B, I would say, can you stop the run? That's what I'm looking at right now especially in your division. Does Kyle Shanahan make you stop the run? Absolutely. Look at the Rams and how they went to more of a run game. Look at what the Seahawks are doing right now, drafting the two offensive tackles, two rookies who are probably going to start, and then loading up on running backs, not just re-signing Rashad Penny, but Kenneth Walker, a high draft pick out of Michigan State. To me, if you're saying, what's an under-the-radar concern that I would have with the Cardinals, it would be their ability to stop the run because they did not go with either a big defensive tackle and free agency or the draft. And I'm just wondering, for a team that allowed 150-plus rushing yards six times last year, it was very inconsistent. I'll just say that, the run defense. And so uh, that is one big question I have going into this season and going into training camp. And what's going to happen between now and training camp in terms of a time-time sign? at the defensive tackle position.
2: I think in in general that front 7 on on the defense is how much better off are you now than you were a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago. And I don't know that yet. We got to wait till these players get out on the field and start seeing that seeing what these rookies in the third round, Cameron Thomas, MyJ Sanders as those outside linebackers, how disruptive can they be and you know nose tackles, you're right, defensive tackles, like how how much can they really stop the run and and stuff that inside because it obviously all works together and that to me is still the biggest hesitation on this team and the biggest hole of how much better are they now uh,
0: could could we argue they're worse in the front seven right now losing chandler jones
2: and jordan hicks
0: second in tackles jordan hicks led the team in defensive snaps
2: absolutely
1: i i definitely think chandler jones i'm I'm on the fence over over the Jordan Hicks thing. I mean we'll we'll see with that, but I'm, but I'm also gonna go back to, you know, I, I, I'm I know you love it when I do this, Paul. I'm gonna disagree. I mean, i I agree that they were inconsistent stopping the run. I agree that it would be better to be better at it. i I would want to go back and look. I would say that their struggles down the stretch, i I find I find other things that are much more alarming. Then, uh, when they went on their losing streak, and I was looking at it the other day, like they they only gave up four yards of carry. Like they they had a couple games where they definitely did. Colts game, which they almost won. Yep. Um. Uh. The not the Cowboys game. The Seahawks game obviously was bad that last game. Yep. Over two hundred
0: yards rushing in that one. But the Cardinals. W- the intensity there in that final game. wasn't. And it? I
1: agree. And and I also I just I would I would want to go back and look at those losses. I would still say that if you are able – and I know you're going to argue well the run game means that you're in better passing situations. I just feel like – I feel like if you can defend the pass, the run game, whatever. I mean, I, no one, I, I, I strongly feel, and I will with the way the rules are and how everything is, you're not getting beat by running teams. You're not. Even the teams that run well against you, if you stop their pass, you're not going to lose. The problem in those games is, can you stop the pass when you need to? And that's why we can talk all day about they didn't add a defensive run stop or whatever. I don't. That's not even in the same universe for me as worrying about their pass rush and where the, that's going to come right, from. Right, but you
2: got to get that pressure to force the quarterback to get rid of the ball and help yeah. out your secondary. And wait, what part of the secondary are you like not confident in right now?
1: Well, I'm, I'm, I guess uh, that
2: that's your your concern.
1: Well, again, th- when we're talking about defending the pass, it's not just the secondary. It's also the pass rush. Right, right. So, obviously, those guys up front mean something. I mean, My point is is if we're talking about worrying about defending the pass and defending the run and what's a bigger concern, it's always going to be defending the pass.
2: You're just well, saying as a whole. Okay, I see. Yeah. I got you now.
0: If, if you look at starting with the loss to the Rams on Monday night. Okay that's when the big plays became a big problem. There were three plays in that game of 40-plus yards. Vance Joseph cited this. And until that point in the season, there were three plays of 40-plus yards allowed. So could you argue that all of a sudden the defense is – uh, became prone the Cardinals defense became prone to giving up the big play was that the biggest problem down the stretch you could in that Colts loss I'm just taking a quick look at some of the box scores Cardinals defense allowed five plays of 20 plus yards in that game however I will say the only game the Cardinals won down the stretch was against Dallas and they stuffed and stifled the Dallas run game, 17 carries for 45 yards. They gave up 2.6 yards well, a carry, and they made him one-dimensional. <laughs> and even though Dak had three touchdown passes, zero picks, the Cowboys lost.
1: No, and, and I, but, but why else did they win that game? They won that game because they were more efficient offensively in that game than they had been in any of those other games. I mean, if Tweezy's going to catch two touchdown passes, you're probably going to be in okay shape even if you don't have D-Hop. And, and again, I go back, you know, it's all got to work together. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier. We can talk about the defense. If this offense doesn't perform like it's supposed to, and I said this all offseason before 2020, and I said it all off season last year, and I'm going to say it again this year, this team is built that it's got to be offense first. We can sit here and say defense, 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 defense. If this team doesn't perform like it's supposed to offensively, it's not winning. And I would say – that's most teams in the NFL right now. You can you can get good defensive players and there are going to be teams that have good defensive games. But you aren't in my opinion, you are not going and winning Super Bowls if you're saying our team's built on defense and our offense just has to manage the game. You're not winning.
0: And I'm not going to argue that. Not in today's no. game. I'm just saying, if your run defense is a liability to that degree, for example, without adding to your defensive line for the most part in the off season, missing your play caller on defense and your middle linebacker, basically the brains of the defense, and Jordan Hicks. I mean, Zayvon Collins right now completely unproven.
1: Yeah, uh, in that that's, role that's not has true. all the talent the in the true. world. I mean, you know, but but defensive line. Okay, J.J. Watt got hurt. I think that was a big deal, but. Agreed. This defensive line, the the one that struggled down the stretch, and the one that we're talking about possibly going to the season with, it's it's no different than the one that was playing well at the beginning of last season. Jordan Phillips didn't do jack last year. So, what what are we talking about? Corey Peters? Is right. it? Did he make that much of a difference? Well,
0: yeah. I, I guess I'm talking. I guess I'm talking more the run defense in general, minus Chandler Jones. My, you know. Teams had to put that much more attention to Chandler Jones, Maybe. so. But you know, if you're but, running
1: the ball, you're no. you weren't worried about Chandler Jones. Like during yeah. on run plays, you're not giving extra attention to Chandler Jones. You're giving him extra attention on pass rushes. Now you can. I, I think it's a fair point when you talk about Hicks, and I'm I'm interested to see how that goes. And I think Jordan Hicks played solid football last year, but Jordan Hicks wasn't uh, Bobby Wagner. I mean. They, if, if he was that good they wouldn't have let him go
2: here's the only thing at uh, Paul's point he was calling the defense and so that's the biggest thing for me is that was part of the reason that we heard of why he was playing more than zaven was just that time okay. as a rookie to to get used to that True. and to understand that but and so, Jordan
1: Hicks was calling the defense in that in the last few games when they were getting run over so I, I would say they didn't
0: get rid of Jordan Hicks because of performance they got rid of Jordan Hicks because he's in the way of Zavin Collins if they would have kept Jordan Hicks. Okay. He would have started again because the whole locker room knew maybe that he was the more qualified middle linebacker. Maybe. They had to pave the way, you know. And it's hard to disagree with fans who cited, well, down the stretch when Jordan Hicks wasn't in there, you saw Tanner Vallejo and Joe Walker before you saw Zayvon Collins. No,
1: and that's and so I, it just contributes is, to fair. the question. I, I I agree with you, and I and I'm not I'm not you're not wrong on that. But again, I would say that you know I don't. The, the the struggles they had down the stretch you're you're naming some guys that they don't have but those guys were playing too and that wasn't helping them so and again i i also I, I, I guess I'm. It's going to be tough for me to come off the whole idea that like you're right. There was a couple of bad run defense, but like even the Seattle game, you're saying they they weren't all the way invested in that one, which is that's a whole another yeah. podcast. So well,
0: Cliff Kingsbury started his post game presser. I vividly remember saying they wanted it more than we did. So okay, yeah, and they did run for over 200 yards, and you know that's the first. It's one of the first things I look at to see if a team is all in is what did the other team run for? Because if yeah. lot, most of the time, if there's a will, a there's a way, to, yeah. you know, when it comes to, to run defense. We'll, we'll see. That, that's all. I'm just saying in the Cardinals division going against Shanahan and now what the Rams look like and most definitely the Seahawks who are going to be run first. That That's just okay. Because the only way the Seahawks are beating the Cardinals, I think we can all agree with Drew Locke or whoever's a quarterback, is that they establish a run game and that quarterback does become a game manager. Because Drew Locke is not beating the Cardinals next year. I uh, think that would be, you know. You would hope not. No. So, uh, by the way, out on the field, speaking to the young guys, who's been out there and actually seen? You had some pictures of yeah, Hollywood seen, Brown, it, right?
1: I've seen a little bit, yeah.
0: How's he look? For those of us who aren't out there, Darren, you're one of the few sets well, of eyes who has actually <laughs> seen Hollywood Brown in action as an Arizona Cardinal.
1: Um, you know, for what little I've been able to see him, I mean, it was the, the day that I saw him. It was really his first day out there. He spent a lot more time talking to Sean Jefferson and or Spencer Whipple, the, the two receivers coaches, uh, than, you know, taking a lot of reps because he's learning what he's supposed to be doing. But I will say this, he can run. I saw a couple of them where they just said, you go long. Now, right now, they don't, there's no defense out there. So you don't know how, fa- but he can get down the field awful fast. <laughs>
2: And then what's, what's next? You're going to be out rookie minicamp. That's next on the schedule. Yeah,
1: I mean, rookie minicamp will be this weekend, and, and we'll get to see some of these rookies that that we'll keep talking about. But, again, it's I've seen enough rookie minicamps in my lifetime. You're, you're, not, you're not really getting a good sense of much of anything, and they're going to run around. They're going to do more than the veterans have been doing because they'll have helmets on. They can go offense, defense. But But even these days, I mean, coaches just don't do a whole lot. And then next week will be more phase 2 and then we'll finally get to OTAs and we'll see again those are voluntary we'll see who shows up for those because still, I'll be here. Still, <laughs> there's still there's still there's still a significant amount of veterans who uh are not here or not participating on the field stuff they've got there's a handful of veterans that are here every day working out on their own but aren't out there on the field and again nothing wrong with that that's that's what the rules say so We'll kind of see how it plays out.
0: The only answer you can get from a rookie minicamp is who doesn't belong. That's true. That's the only, you, you can tell. Like yep. Some of the small school guys, or maybe there was a courtesy invite because somebody knew somebody or whatever. You're not sure exactly how this guy ended up on an NFL field. Maybe it's just bodies. They need numbers, and you're like, oh, boy, yeah, that guy's not qualified. Uh, see ya. You know, now, the guys who do look good, okay, but they look good in a rookie minicamp so you don't know how they're going to look once the real thing starts so that being the case and the incredible degree of difficulty which rookie do you think makes the greatest impact we're sitting here six months from now which rookie in this class do you think makes the greatest impact on this season danny
2: i will have to say Cameron Thomas or my Sanders and I don't know between the two yet and the reason I say that over tight end Trey McBride is because if Max Williams is able to make a full recovery and be on the field with Zach Ertz I can imagine him getting all of that playing time over Trey McBride um, I think there's probably a you know a good reason to understand why they drafted Trey McBride you have Max Williams on a one-year deal you probably want to get him going and have him be your future at that spot however I would imagine that Max Williams is going to get that twelve personnel package time with Zach Ertz, so that's why I would say Cameron Thomas or MyJ Sanders as an outside linebacker.
1: Darren, I, I mean, I think that's where you go. I, I definitely would go past rusher, and I'm gonna go with Cameron Thomas just because he's a little bit more polished at this point. I do think MyJ Sanders is gonna have a chance to come off the edge, but I think, I, I think again, when you talk about production you know maybe i think i think the way you look at it i think my j sanders has more of a ceiling of what he potentially could be but cameron thomas is the one with the production in college and, and those kinds of things and he's a try hard guy and i think try hard guys i think i think they can have a little bit more of a quicker impact as a rookie and i and they're going to need somebody i mean it's honestly guys i think it's going to be fascinating the way these next couple months play out and, and right before training camp and like, do they sign some veteran pass rusher out there? Yes. I think, I think there's a good chance of it. I don't know who it's going to be um, or what they might be looking for. And if it's not going to be till the end, I mean, the thing is, is at this point, it's unlikely you sign a veteran until you get to training camp because the veterans really have no interest in taking part in any of this off stuff And they know there's going to be a market for them, so they might as well wait for training camp.
0: And it wouldn't be the first time that the decision makers, Steve Kime and company, waited through the first week or the first several days of training camp and then realized, you know what, yeah, we do have a legitimate need at position X. Based on what I'm seeing in some of these one-on-one drills, now you have to wait like five days until they get full pads on yeah. these days, right? So sometimes yeah. it does take a full week. But as soon as you get to the first like O-line, D-line drill, full pads, full go, and some guy's getting destroyed, they've done that in the past at center. They've done that in the past at certain O-line positions. Like, oh, boy, yeah, he's not going to hold up on our well, this offensive line. We better go get a vet.
1: It's funny that you bring that up because the news got out there that they – had Billy Price, the, the uh, free agent center in for a visit who played, who started all season last year with the giants. Um, I think they absolutely have to look at that position. Um, You don't have Max Garcia anymore. Um, I know Marcus Henry is on the the roster and I know Sean Harlow is on the roster, but I think you need some veteran at center uh, as a, as a fail safe for Rodney Hudson. And so I think that's a I, I think they're going to sign a veteran pass rusher. I absolutely think they're going to look very carefully at a veteran center as as a reserve possibility cuz right now you just don't you don't have that guy, and, and I would be very nervous if something happened to Rodney Hudson.
0: And I know a lot of Giants fans piled on on Twitter and said, oh, yeah, the Giants' O-line was terrible the last few years, and you're going to go with Will Hernandez and Billy Price. And, well, first of all, Billy Price would be a backup behind Rodney Hudson. But second of all, don't forget that the Giants had four O-line coaches in four years. There was a lot of dysfunction going on on in, in, in the Giants, especially when, on the offensive side of the ball.
1: When you talk about rookies, too, I, I'm not, I'm not going to completely – rule out believe it or not I'm not gonna completely rule out uh is it luci the running back oh Lasita Smith, Smith. lascidas Lacida Lysita Smith and uh, you know I just I think there's opportunity there and and I think you know that's that's a position that maybe be able to make some moves I I don't think they want Josh Jones playing center or a guard nope um I think it's going to be will Hernandez in the end because he's got the experience and he's got the connection with Sean kugler but Uh, You know, I... I,
2: Marquise Hayes?
1: Maybe, but I'm just saying Smith because they picked him earlier and and I would think that they would have more hope for him at this point. It's funny because that last day of the draft, like, you look at your draft picks and you're thinking, okay, you have your high draft picks, which are Sanders and Thomas and McBride. Oh, by the way, none of them are first-round picks. And then you had your later picks because there's this big group and you're always looking at, uh, you know ingram and smith especially and but except those aren't your fourth and fifth round picks those are sixth round picks and you it does matter where they get picked because if this was a normal draft and your team had all at least one pick in every round you wouldn't be thinking as much of ingram or smith because they're sixth rounders but because they were the next guys picked right you you view them a little bit differently see i
0: I view Keontae Ingram just as similar to the edge rusher position. You have a need for a backup running back, and is it going to be Jonathan Ward? Is it going to be Eno Benjamin? I mean, Jalen Samuels. Yeah, so that that's completely undecided. I, I
1: would agree with that. I, I
0: see opportunity there for a Keontae Ingram, who's an older guy who just spent three years at yeah. Texas and a year at USC, and is considered in every-down back with size, six foot two twenty or so, and. You know, if he's going to be reliable and pass protection and blitz pickup so they can trust him to be on the field, running back historically I, is a position where a rookie can come in and play right away.
1: I saw a fascinating – and I know you love the analytics, Paul. Mm. I saw a fascinating, um, a, uh, a fascinating chart, I guess, analytics chart, that basically showed that since – I think it was 2012, there is analytically – the only difference between running backs picked anywhere in the draft legitimately is what they get paid. Wow. They, wow. It's provable. I mean, obviously there's outliers, and, and Derrick Henry's been good and everything. But basically, if you look at all running backs as a whole, the only difference if you take a running back in the first or second round compared to maybe the sixth or seventh round or late, you know, later in the draft is the amount of money they get paid. Because production-wise, it's not enough to want to draft a running back early. And I I think that when you talk about teams that draft running backs, I mean, I I think with the analytics department this team has right now and the way Steve Kime looks at stuff, I don't think this team will ever draft a running back high ever again. Because, again, it makes no sense. The way... The way they produce and the way you can find them and the way you can plug them in, I just don't see it happening.
0: And, look, these are guys who have played a lot of football. Like, Lucita Smith made 37 starts at left guard, right? So, here's a guy. Now, if they put on a right guard, to what degree? Is there going to be a position change there? Is he going to have to learn? You know, it's like going from meeting with your right hand to your left hand. You know, we'll see if there's a learning curve there. But, you know, these are guys – we're citing. It's not like DJ Humphreys, who came in as a young rookie and obviously wasn't equipped to play his first year in the NFL just in terms of maturity and being a professional. I mean, these guys are, you know, have spent four or five years in the college game. So I think it bolsters their chance to yeah. perhaps compete for playing we'll time see. in addition to the Cardinals' need. So we'll see. But was it weird not to have a first round pick, by the way? Is it weird, Dan, just not to have it a. – It is to yeah. me.
2: Yeah, but I mean, like who you got. It's not like they didn't do anything. Well, no, no,
1: I'm not trying. I'm not. I wouldn't downplay it by saying, you know, they screwed something up. It's just it's uh, for me. It's weird going out to rookie minicamp. I mean, that's that's always the thing. Like you have the draft. You have a first round press co- press conference more than what Hollywood Brown did. It's a whole thing. And then when you come out to rookie minicamp, that first day of practice is always OK. The story is the first round pick. How that first day go. And we really don't have that. I mean, I guess we'll do it with Trey McBride, but it just seems
0: weird. How old is Hollywood Brown, by the way? He's 25, right? He's still right there in that in that age range He's with, younger with than Kyler. Me Paul. So, there, you know, there you go. By the way, speaking of young, how about some of the uh, Cardinals assistant coaches who are promoted, whether yeah. it's a Spencer Whipple or a Cam Turner, now co-pass game coordinators, and then Sean Jefferson, associate head coach. Isn't Sean Kugler associate head coach as well? Are there two no. of those as well or no?
1: It's Jeff Rogers is the assistant head coach.
0: That's it. Assistant head coach for Jeff Rogers. And Sean and Jefferson is an
1: associate head associate
0: coach. Associate head coach. Okay. See, I needed that clarification. That's good, Darren. That's good. So
1: I mean I think that's that's cool for Sean Jefferson again. I think that's another step towards when you're trying to get minorities opportunities to do more stuff in terms of what they do on the staff and I I, I think it's also a little bit under the radar last year they made Kugler the run game coordinator I think the fact that there are now co-pass game coordinators everybody wants to talk about how Cliff Kingsbury doesn't have an offensive coordinator well it may be three-headed but he essentially has an offensive coordinator now
0: and by the way you know Spencer Whipple the play caller in that Cleveland game that, that's still one of the highlights of the year and the way the cardinals offense functioned when cliff kingsbury is out with COVID and couldn't even sit there and watch the game because he's like I, I need to be doing something i can't just sit here like a fan and then he start breaking down film of the cardinals next opponent while they're actually playing against cleveland in that and one of the bigger wins of the year so uh you know that w- that was interesting um so what else uh I'm looking here at what else we uh, need to cover on uh, this edition of Cardinals. It feels like it's
1: been a big one. I think we probably need to wrap this up. (laughs) Danny needs to go visit video stuff.
0: Oh, here's what I had. This is what I had to duck in. Do you see Jim Ursay is donating the Fender Mustang electric guitar used by Kurt Cobain in the Smells Like Teen Spirit music video? He's a huge guitar collector. And he has one of the most desirable guitars of all time. And so he's donating it to a mental health awareness campaign to raise money. They're going to auction it off. He said, by the way, I don't plan on losing that guitar. The opening bid I've already made at $2 million. Jim Merce, the Colts owner.
1: Jeez. It would be nice to have that kind of money. <laughs> but no
0: they, uh And by the way, I guess Kurt Cobain's family and all that supported the move, and they threw other items in from the Cobain uh, estate into the auction block, etc. So there you go. The iconic – are you familiar with that video, Danny? by the way? The mm-hmm. Smells Like Teen Spirit?
2: I know the song, but I'm not familiar with the video. I'm sorry.
1: She's got bowling on her mind right now. She's got to go bowling. Not sure if I should. uh, uh,
0: By the way, Hollywood Brown's going to be 25 next month on June 4th. That is the answer to that question. Same age as Danny. Thank
2: you. (laughs) You think so?
0: I don't know. Do I look 25? You do to me.
2: Cool. Thank you. I'm
0: I'm partially offended that you haven't seen the Kurt Cobain video, so there will be no platitudes coming from yours truly. As we wrap up this edition of Cardinals Underground, (laughs) brought to you by Pacific Office, Automation. (laughs) It's deflating.